and welcome to another episode of Novel Not New, a trend podcast. It's a show where we play and discuss visual novels, adventure games, really anything that is interesting enough with a decent story, I'd say. I'm your host, Jennifer Uncle, and joining me are uh, Olivia Joseph. Hi, I'm, I feel like I've been pushing the mandate of the podcast further and further since I joined. It's all good. As long as we're playing interesting games, I, I feel like that's a win. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you think that way, because sometimes I do feel a little guilty. <laughs> and uh, Six Detmar. I've been pushing the mandate of heaven. Oh, wow. How's that working out for you? Badly. from what i've gathered it usually does it usually does yeah no listen heaven ordains it's it's it the future and it will go as heaven ordains but if you're one of the people on the ground saying like you really should do what heaven says someone's gonna kill you because they don't want to hear it and and so i'm just i'm just waiting for that day and praying for it in the book in the video game and in real life whenever you're the guy who said hey god said you should do this Usually, well, usually doesn't go well for you. Not, not great. Not great. Bad fate. <laughs> Stay night. Um. Yeah. So, so speaking have... of, oh god, <laughs> I was just gonna make a dumb joke and be like, speaking of uh, visual novels, I've played. Yeah. Have you played any visual novels, Olivia? Uh no. I've just been thinking a lot about fate. Okay, like um, a specific uh, fate visual novel, or just the series in general. Um, the original because I have a I have like a friend who's been playing it and uh, like been really into it, um, and I've just been thinking about how it's kind of, it's like kind of good. You have to like squint a little bit to make it good, but it's it's still pretty good. I feel like you have to squint a lot, but I also <laughs> I do understand the good things about it. I mean, you know, uh, as as a tweet I saw doing the rounds said recently, if you think about it, the origin of battle royale games was people being horny for King Arthur. So <laughs> that is such a that is such an absolutely like fascinating development story. Is the thing I think all the time about how they were going to make like a regular King Arthur Otome game, and then the their like head guy was like, no, horny nerds will not buy this. The horny nerds are all men. We need to make King Arthur a girl. Um, and accidentally set off a decades-long, like, uh, tr- franchise trend of, like, really confusing gender reads. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm sure Sony's happy. I'm sure Sony's happy about it because Fake Grand Order is, like, their most popular game ever, I think. Yeah, I think it makes more money than God. Um, yeah. I mean, God doesn't make money, men make money. Uh, God makes all the money that men make, eventually. <laughs> mm, is that like the, oh, I, I thought you were doing like a nothing in nature can do anything unnatural thing. No. But you're saying like, no, like, like God's on everybody's will? <laughs> God's on everybody's <laughs> will. <laughs> you gotta pay him eventually. Uh, God just shaking down the planet during the apocalypse being like, all right, what change you got this time? Give me that paper. Uh, he's spending it on fake grand order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
How about you, Six? Have you been playing any uh, visual novels? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I'm I the only so. one then. I've been... I've been bad recently where I've been jumping between a bunch of games at once just because I just have a very short attention span sometimes and I start too many things without, which makes it more difficult to finish them. But, uh, but wait, did I talk about Banner of the Maid last time? I think so. Cause yeah, I, think I, I, okay. I think I remember okay. saying I wanted to play Banner of the Maid okay. at some point. Okay, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Is that still going for you, Six? Yeah, here and there. Uh, it's it's good. I think there are some uh, difficulty spikes. I mean, it is akin to older Fire Emblems, where mm-hmm. there are points where you're like, whew, okay, this one's a little rough, um, but it's good. How's Napoleon? Is he still bishy? Um, He's actually not that bishy. You're, uh, you what? are, you, like, uh, as Napoleon's sister, you're pretty bishy, but uh, wow. as, as Lady Bonaparte. Um, but yeah, honestly, it, most of the men kind of just, uh, it's one of those ones, it's one of those anime where men just suck. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, um, I got a character who I understand is like a character from a different French novel. I don't know her deal, but she talks to birds and the birds tell her where to shoot people, mm-hmm. um, which is intense. I was going to say the three types of anime. Men suck, men don't exist, or men are the locus around which the entire universe revolves. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Two of those are true in real life, unfortunately. That's right. Men don't exist. Yep. (laughs) But they also suck, even though they don't exist. if If you imagine the idea of another gender, it would be terrible. Speaking of uh, fictional, uh, speaking of characters from literature appearing in visual novels, I've been playing Code Realize, uh, which is a game that Six got me for my birthday, which is, uh, it's basically another game from Automate, and uh, you play this girl named Cardia whose skin is poison, and uh, you've been locked away in a house for a very long time. Because, like, you can't just let the poison girl out. And uh, <laughs> you end up getting rescued by Arsene Lupin. Um, and who's basically, over the course of the game, you are teaming up with other people. Like, a character from a Jules Verne novel whose name I don't remember because he's honestly kind of a forgettable person. And it's... You don't really think about characters other than like Phineas Fogg and stuff like that when you <laughs> when you think about Eighty Days or <laughs> Jules Verne's other novels, and um, you're also joined by Victor Frankenstein, uh, Van Helsing, and people like that, and they're all oh, and of course Herlock Sholmes because. Well, I, at first I thought Herlock Sholmes was an attempt to get around the uh, Doyle estate since they've been a big pain in the ass recently. But um, apparently that's just been a tradition in Japanese media. Like a lot of stories have a character named Herlock Sholmes in it. Uh, and uh, I was I was like, I was going, I wanted to be like, isn't that the game with Herlock Sholmes in there? But I was like, that... But that doesn't sound correct. They've <laughs> got to have named it, it, it something else. Yeah, it's it's Herlock Sholmes. 
But uh, <laughs> you're basically running around in a what they what the game itself calls Steam London, which is basically steampunk London, and uh, everyone is wearing things like cogs on their lapel or their giant uh, stovetop hats. Um, Victor Frankenstein basically throws throws vials at people that explode on contact. Van Helsing is a Van Helsing is a veteran of the Vampire Wars. There's a lot happening in this game. I mean, of course he is. Yeah. That's just canon. That's what he's going to be doing. If there's Vampire Wars, you bet Van Helsing is going to be in there. Yeah. But just adding a Vampire War on top of okay, it's steampunk and also this girl may or may not be dead or at least she may or may not have a heart and she, her body is so poisonous that just simply touching a surface will corrode it, unless it's made with her blood a little bit. The most toxic girl <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, and of course the main drama be- behind all that stuff is A, there are people who want to capture me and use me as a weapon, and B, how could I love anyone if I'm just made of poison and... Everything I touch is dies, unless I'm wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes the sex really kinky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I don't see the problem. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just still thinking about Steam London. <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. I, yeah, I, I... It's weird because I, at the same time, I have, like, the, I have the, I have double think going on about the the uh, steampunk aesthetic where people just randomly have cogs on. Where, like, one, it is, like, the laziest, stupidest thing, but also sometimes it's really funny when someone just has a fucking <laughs> cog on their hat for no reason. Yeah, it, there's a corgi that you meet that was rescued by the Jules Verne character, and uh, he basically lost one of his legs, so the character gave him a steampunk leg. And the corgi also has a little hat and bow tie. Uh, truly, they say that games games don't begin when you play them. And I think nothing more emblematic of that fact. And I've already gotten so much enjoyment out of Code Realize. Seen like two pictures of it. But just thinking about the phrases Steam London and a corgi with a steampunk leg. Uh, my heart is warm. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's something charming about the whole thing, even if occasionally it's like, wow, this some of this drama feels really forced. So who are you crushing on? Um, so far I'd say Victor Frankenstein. He's super nice, and he's helping me figure out like he helped me. He helped make a pillow case so that I could actually sleep in a bed and not worry about accidentally rolling over and melting the pillow and the bed. So. He's a very thoughtful person. Thanks, Victor. I I didn't want to... I can edit this out if I need to. It's actually Frankenstein's doctor. <laughs> it's not. God. It's really not. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm having a good time with it, and I'll continue going through it and see where it leads. 
the other one that I'm playing is more adventure game with visual novel elements than a straight up visual novel. It's a uh, Paradise Killer, which came out uh, this weekend. It's um, describing it with a quick summary would be difficult just because it's like, okay, so you're a investigator who's been in exile for 3 million days because you accidentally let a demon influence you and destroy one of the 24 island variants this culture has gone through. And they bring you out of exile because basically the people who continuously make these new islands um, called Paradise, their specific syndicate got uh, murdered by supposedly a man who broke through the four seals in their office and just went to town on all of the members. And no one can actually take a look at the crime scene right now because no one else knows how to get through the four seals. And yeah, so they just, they just like, okay, we're going to let you out so that you can solve this crime. And you drop like 5,000 feet out of the sky onto the ground because Fall, fall damage does not exist in this perfect island world. And, uh, yeah, you go around, your name is Lady Love Dies, and you basically interview all these people trying to figure out who did it. So who did it? It's really hard to say because, like, this game does a good job of letting you do the investigation on your own terms, following various leads as they pop up in a very non-linear fashion. And the more time I've spent with it, my list of subjects has not narrowed. It's only expanded because all these people have weird secrets and reasons why they may be the killer, even though they have someone in custody who supposedly actually did it. Jen took that question so seriously, just so earnestly. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, the the, the game, I, I wouldn't know who done it because the game is like very well, you know, like the mystery is very expansive. I would have just like six to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, so glad I, I was like, no, we should definitely go with, <laughs> with you for our podcast. This sounds like the co-host. Man. Uh-huh. Hostile. Uh, so it sounds like it's a it's an Agatha Christie, you know, everybody did it situation. I'm not so sure that everyone did it, but uh, enough people have motive for doing it. And no, have... again, just tell me to shut up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the island itself is one of the main reasons why I like it so much. It's basically a giant, expansive, seamless 3D island that you basically get to run around and everything in the environment is off kilter, but beautiful. So at nighttime, the star, the constellations are moving past at a speed that is almost, that is disconcerting and almost just at the edge of nauseating. There's um, all sorts of unique lights and statues to these various gods placed around. Um, you basically collect people's blood and spend it at vending machines to get various interesting looking drinks. It's very, it's very, it's like a mix of Vaporwave and Suda51, but uh, 
presented as more of a visual novel style thing. I was I was going to say Suda Fifty One, but I haven't actually played many Suda Fifty One games, so I would have just been bluffing. Oh yeah, there's definitely Suda Fifty One all over this thing. Like, it it does a similar sort of mix of real life photos and uh, combining them with bizarre abstracted geometry and also just like it straight up has a drink called kill the thirst and one of it one of the taglines for his previous games was kill the past mm-hmm. so they definitely are doing more than a few winks and nods in terms of oh yeah this person's games inspired us a ton mm-hmm. yeah it's it's really cool because i'll just be exploring the island and stumble on something all on my own and that's something will completely change the way I'm looking at this case. And it doesn't exactly, it's not exactly hand-holding me to the various items, but it also isn't to the point where I feel completely lost looking at things. It's, this, the island is a manageable enough size that I feel like if I spend enough time with it, I can figure things out. Even though at the moment, I'm just continuously receiving new bits of information that's like, Man, everyone could have done this, huh? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of other people seem to be liking it. It's getting a lot of good reviews, so if you have uh, 15 bucks to spare, it seems like it's worth checking out. All right. Well, I like mysteries that have clear solutions, so this sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it does that whole thing where you can just at any point go over to the judge and be like, Okay, I'm ready to do the case, regardless of how prepared you are, which is something Ooh, I always appreciate with this, this sort of thing. That does sound good. Okay. <laughs> now you got me on board. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, with that, we're going to go into our main game, uh, which is also a murder mystery of sorts, but it's a bit more straightforward. It's a Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, which is a... DS game that came out in 2010 in Japan, 2011 everywhere else. It's developed by Capcom, and the lead designer behind it is Shu Takumi, who you might know as uh, the director of all the Phoenix Wright games, or at least most of them. Um, I think he, uh, I think he didn't, I think there's one or two that he didn't direct. I think maybe the, uh, the, uh, like the first Apollo Justice game was one of those. Yeah, Apollo Justice and, uh, Dual Destinies. Um, for the latter one, it seems like the reason he wasn't involved in that one is because he was busy making the prequel series, the one that's, like, set in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you you earlier called it less. Uh, you introduced it by talking about like a, a more straightforward mystery. I'm just thinking about how many times you time travel while time traveling. <laughs> that is true. That you, w- go, you go from one one loop to another loop. Yeah, for the most part, at least until the end, I feel like they do a fairly good job of communicating where everyone is going, but. Then they just throw that thing at at the end, and it's like, okay, I guess you can just say things. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see. Did anyone want to do the 
like a basic summary for this one? Sure, or? I got I got this. Uh, so Ghost Trick Phantom Detective uh, stars uh, Sissel, who is a ghost who wakes up like uh, basically on top of a corpse and is like, oh, I guess I've been killed. Um, and uh, through the course of the night is trying to solve the mystery of their own murder because they don't remember who they were. Um, and also chasing down a uh, plot surrounding a, a young detective named Lynn who has been uh, investigating the uh, 10 years prior uh, murder by her mentor, Detective Jod, um, of his wife. And uh, basically, as you go through, you're trying to keep Lynn alive as she investigates and get to the bottom of, of the real secret of this mystery because Jod couldn't co- possibly have done it. Um, he just, he doesn't seem the sort. Um, and then it turns into, oh, it turns out there are supernatural forces at work. Besides just you, because actually, I guess from the start, it's like, wait, I'm a ghost who can do magic. Yeah. (laughs) Specifically, a a ghost who does magic to, like, go back into the past and reverse other people's deaths. Yeah, yeah, Um, you have, your powers are, um, first, you know, if you contact someone who's de- who's died within the last like 24 hours or whatever you can rewind their death to four minutes before their death i think is the number yeah um because and then, uh, four is an it, it's which is a pun it's a japanese right. pun right four for she for death mm-hmm. um and then um you also can manipulate objects. You can possess an object and then make it do a thing. So, like, you possess a guitar and make it strum, and that makes the hitman panic and shoot the guitar instead of his target. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the puzzles are, like, the puzzles are either, like, bespoke sections where you are trying to manipulate objects in an environment in order to prevent somebody's death or there are some there are other puzzles which are just sort of like in the present time where you are either trying to like navigate around a space to learn things or to like help uh characters who are not ghosts with ghost powers like accomplish tasks Mm -hmm. yeah there's one where you're helping someone break out by uh basically using your ghost powers like night vision to see where the various enemies are and that direct is one, that is one of the most frustrating puzzles in the game oh for me. yeah it's not <laughs> fun don't yeah it's a stealth segment where you can't control the character who can be caught in stealth it's kind of a nightmare yeah, I guess I had seen enough coverage of... Well, I've played games like that before, so I was somewhat used to that premise, and this one is much more generous with its checkpointing. But yeah, it's it's frustrating for sure. It's generous with its checkpointing, but there are also parts where the solution doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually a thing I think generally the game avoids. There are a few puzzles. I feel like the latter third, or maybe fourth of the game, the puzzles start to get a little rough. But for the most part, I felt like the puzzles made a lot of sense. But like, especially that that uh, Detective Jawed escape scene, where you're like, okay, let me open this up and drop a man through, and then you can shimmy off to the other side of this tunnel, and then I'll close it, and you can roll through. It's kind of <laughs> the only saving grace of that part is that he rolls <laughs> the way he <laughs> yeah. the rolling animation. He sort of just rolls in one big piece, sort of like a cat. Just uh-huh. kind of rolling through the tunnel. Um, the animations in this game are so good. Like, uh, they're they're very reminiscent of something like a clock tower in terms of 
very purposeful 2D animation with a lot of moving parts and this sense of fluidity, except a lot of this is done for comedic purposes. And it's always really well done. Like, uh, the, you mentioned him rolling through, um, there's the chicken kitchen chef who basically uses his hat, um, as an extension to pour wine onto the chicken he's working on. The way that um, just any time Inspector Cabanella moves anywhere, he does a choreographed <laughs> dance sequence to get to get wherever he's going. Um, yeah, I think like visual. I think visuals are one of the like game's strongest points because there's just like there's so much character and like charm in the way that things move, uh, and it's it's sort of like a it's it's really a delight to like watch characters do stuff in this game. Mm-hmm. Totally. E- even when they're reusing bits, like uh, the wide mom who's an author doing her little toast salute, whatever she's talking about something, or the guard who does this nervous dance. It's it's always a delight when those reappear. I I love the wine mom. Like every time she, it's I I mentioned this to uh in like the chat before, but I'm just a sucker for like characters for like the comedic gimmick of like characters who will toast something that like is is bad or like (laughs) harmful like when she there's okay so there's a point in the puzzle where you have the wine mom like trapped in a chandelier that's hanging from the roof um Mm -hmm. and she asks her daughter to help her get down and the daughter says no and she's like here's here's to the uh the petulance and uh and resistance of my beloved daughter and then she clinks the glass against the chandelier that she's stuck in and takes a drink of wine it's so uh it's so fun and so cartoonish in moments like that Mm -hmm. um yeah there's so many good jokes uh like um uh there's okay so there's there's a talking dog in this game missile um, yes based on shu takami's real life dog um a pomeranian and there's a great bit where sissel asks missile um like when you bark what are you trying to communicate to people what is the point of you barking all the time and missile's like well if i if i had to sum up my feelings into just one word it would probably be something like welcome (laughs) (laughs) and they're just like and sissel's just like um Okay, and the person he's saying welcome to is like the hitman who is shooting him. <laughs> um, Missile is also just a really like. I feel like I feel like this is a game that really writes. They really write Missile's dialogue in a way that feels like dog, like a dog's personality is. Like he mm-hmm. just has so many. Like uh, uh, there's like the bit where like Lynn is afraid of the water, and Missile's like, "I wish I could drink all that water." <laughs> I wish I could just drink it, and then it wouldn't be scary anymore. <laughs> uh, I also love his his reaction to dying. Is, huh? I died, huh? Uh, that that's shocking to tell the truth. <laughs> there's just uh, something. Com- there's something about his deadpan performance there that's like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and then he, and then it's like. Like, he's funny, but it's also, I think Missile's, like, a very good um, microcosm of the game because he's very well-written. He's very funny, but there's also, like, you know, he's got a lot of, like, 
earnest moments. I really, I really like how, you know, he's just like very devoted to uh, Lynn and Camilla, who are his two owners, and he just like loves them very much. And when he's like, I'm going to use my, my ghost powers to try to save them. I'm like, yes, Missile, you can do it. Yes, <laughs> you can do it. You can save her. Anytime Sissel, anytime uh, Sissel calls him like little warrior or something like that, it's really cute. Yeah, th- this game does a great job with reveals too. Like uh, the bit where you return to the park and uh, you're watching the playback of this uh, this park resident's death, and suddenly you just see a you just see an item levitate and switch places. You're like, uh, what's happening? Who's doing this? And of course it's missile. <laughs> it's, it's legitimately kind of suspenseful when you have, you see that other ghost for the first time because they've, they've previously seeded that there's somebody else with ghost powers working for nefarious purposes. So they, mm-hmm. they really set you up to be like, Oh man, is this the villain of the game? And then you like connect, you, talk to people by connecting to their soul so then you connect to this mysterious soul and it's just missiles sprite comes flying into the screen and he's like oh hi buddy i'm missile (laughs) and you're like missile i think he killed somebody (laughs) (laughs) yeah missile you are a murderer now that whole whole puzzle is just like preventing like preventing like allowing missile to save camilla without also killing a random bystander Uh Yeah, the random bystander isn't helping much because this whole thing is like, oh, my youth is unstoppable, so you have to find a way to slow down my youth. (laughs) Uh, The park, uh, also just like, I don't think there's a single character in the game that I like disliked. I think they're all very fun. Like, like I could just be like, oh yeah, the park guy, what a weirdo. (laughs) It's like. All his things where he's like, he's another character who's very accepting of his death. He's like, ah, well, uh, I could only have died that way by an act of God. So (laughs) it must, you know, if God decides it's my time, then it's my time. And Sissel's like, it's not your time, please. (laughs) Uh, Or there's the defense minister who uh, is just has has some. Has okay, not some has a lot of anxiety and depression and self-image issues, and so when he dies, he does not identify himself as himself, and so his ghost is hanging around, being like, "Look at this idiot." Mm-hmm. I hope he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really get a whole, you get a really broad range of characters' reactions to death. None of them like particularly serious. Like when you go to save Jowd from like his jowd's execution um he jowd is basically just like well good luck with that he's like (laughs) sitting on the sidelines because at that point in the story he's very like well if i die i die (laughs) so he's just sort of watching sizzle he's like yeah good luck buddy (laughs) you go get him pal yeah and and at some point lynn has died enough times that she's just like oh hey i'm dead again when you say hi to her (laughs) (sighs) yeah I think uh, I I was I lost count at one point, but I think she dies like five or six times over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. I do. There's a there's a great uh, web comic. I'll link it. But there's a do you do you read uh, Awful Zombie, Olivia? Um, I did a long time ago. 
they did uh there was one that they did on ghost trick a long time ago which was just like lynn's like hang out and she accidentally knocks over her soda and she shoots herself on the head and she's like okay so sissel can you stop me from knocking over the soda <laughs> <laughs> she's rare she's rare she rarely gets herself killed on purpose i don't think she ever gets True. herself killed on purpose to be fair but although some, although cabanella makes a joke about that at one point uh, but uh, some of her deaths feel pretty <laughs> avoidable if she'd used her brain a little more <laughs> um hmm. now i'm going back the highlights of lynn's death uh, there's there's one I feel like the one where she gets killed by a giant falling chicken uh leg is, is silly, but she was trying to save the the cop's life. True, true, but I mean uh, like the um the uh machine. What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, the Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, the happened. Rube Goldberg machine. Yes, where that... just sort of stands there and watches this thing kill her. <laughs> that was uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a special. That's an sort of an especially kind of like bizarrely comical scene when you find out like what that Rube Goldberg machine is actually central to like what like a huge tragedy that happens in the game. Um, it's a Rube Goldberg machine that accidentally shoots you with a pistol. <laughs> I, I mean, like even before the pistol shot, part of the Rube Goldberg machine is it shooting a flaming arrow in your direction. And you're still just standing there watching. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, she's a rookie detective. The The detective's intuition is not all the way there yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it does raise a question like the... At some point when it's revealed that that was actually replicating a, a real-life event that happened to kill someone's mother... Um, the way that the the one question I had during that was like, oh, when she was ma- manipulated to do so, that's why the Cupid part was there. And it's like, yeah, but there was that whole framed gun, and you're telling me that gun was loaded the entire time. It was framed up like that. That doesn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of the. Uh, I feel like that whole sequence is one of the parts in which the mystery gets a little tenuous. Um. Hmm. I think because it's sort of, uh, there's a, you know, there's that whole, the story sort of changes on you a bit. It's like, oh, the weird thing that happened was that the Cupid spun the wrong way. It was supposed to spin the other way. Um, and then you find out, like, the actually weird thing that happened was that, like, um, Camila was manipulated into, like, creating the machine wrong. Um, and I think it is just, a. Uh... It's also just a when when you start from the premise of here is a Rube Goldberg machine that accidentally kills somebody, you can you can only get a little more shaky from there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, this game does interesting things with identity. Like the main mystery of the game, other than who killed me, is who am I really as Sissel, and uh, like it. It starts out in an interesting way, just in terms of if I don't really have any memory of who I am, and this girl was supposed to meet me here, but she doesn't know much about what happened either, and suddenly I'm looking into this inmate's uh, cell, and they're painting a picture of me? What the hell? And it kind of just keeps building from there until you realize, oh, the person you may have been seems like they were kind of a shady character, and... At some point, you realize you're not even that person at all. 
And it, it doesn't... It, like, if it was any other... If it was any other setup in terms of not being spirits or whatever, that would be a little bit less... That'd be harder to follow or agree with, but um, they do an interesting thing where they set up pretty early that when someone wakes up as a ghost, they are basically a blob until they put together their memories of who they were. And occasionally they just get that wrong. Like, um, there's one person you meet who initially transforms into someone else before you're like, no, 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 you were this person. And they were like, oh, okay. And their appearance immediately changes. Yeah, yeah I Lynn, that's... Lynn at first is uh, turns into uh, Inspector Cabanella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Sissel tells her, like, yo, you're a detective. And she goes, oh, a detective, like that guy? And then becomes Cabanella. And he's like, no, 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 the other detective. Um, yeah, and so, and I think they also set that up with Sissel pretty well, where, you know, in that first scene where Sissel wakes up, there's a very clear line where Cecil is like, well, I guess I have to be that guy because I don't see any other bodies there. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the twist later being that they're, you know, Cecil's real body. Cecil ends up being a, uh, a cat. Um, uh, you know, that the cat that like Cecil's real body was there, but just, you know, hidden uh, in a in a bag. And, and like Cecil, the ghost was unable to perceive it and thus assumed uh, that he has to be the uh, that he has to be the man lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something I noticed was, I think interesting, with what Jen said about identity that like Sissel has definitely has this sort of persona that he does based on like you know this this man that he believes himself to be for a while. Like he sort of does a thing. Um, he does sort of like a like a noir detective kind of affect at a few points you know like he's always mm-hmm. calling he's always calling camila like a little lady um i think i think he actually refers to a few women as like ladies um and he he nicknames missile like oh like oh you're a little warrior and keeps sort of referring to him like that um which to me felt very like you know um uh uh Sissel's like the man that he originally believes himself to be looking like sort of like a like a how to describe what Sissel looks like because he looks very <laughs> silly but he does kind of look like a cool gangster maybe type so mm-hmm. I feel like Sissel the character definitely speaks like that in a few points assuming I mean that he looks like a shady character like. let's say that <laughs> he does um he is Jimmy Neutron hair kind of um yeah Yeah. i I also noticed um uh one just like detail because i had played this before and i remembered like the big twists but not the details and one Mm -hmm. one detail that i thought was interesting is looking back on it there's a lot of things that sissel doesn't know that he Mm -hmm. chalks up to memory loss because he's a ghost um but when you look back on them they're all like complex human concepts that a cat would not understand there's a bit where sissel's like i don't really know about units of distance i don't know how long a foot is but okay yeah or like there's the part where he gets sent to go check like the um when he first meets detective jod he's like okay he's sent there into the into the prison to go check what's on their like their daily schedule for the next day and he's like okay got it I can't read. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's pro- that's like the big one. Um, and Cecil assumes that oh, I must have forgotten how to read, but actually, he never knew how to read. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, there's there's also some. A friend pointed out to me. A friend pointed this out to me on Twitter, but there's some interesting gender stuff going on with Sissel because Sissel is named after another character's uh, dead ex-fiance, and uh, so there is an idea that maybe Sissel at some point was a girl cat. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> Uh, I did notice that. There's also quite a few. There's more dead wives than you think w- there would be in this game. They sort of throw <laughs> that specific dead wife just in there. She doesn't get a portrait. She doesn't get... She gets, like, one line, but it's just sort of like, oh, well, and this guy had a dead wife, too. Isn't that pretty tragic? And so. it's... Oh, it's And it's at a moment where... Uh, we'll talk about it a little more later, I'm sure, but with Yomiel, the the real, like, the villain of this game for most of the game, it's the moment they're like, but really, Yomiel is, like, tragic and kind of justified because his fiance died. And you're like, okay. Which, which, yeah, I feel like it was a bad addition because I feel like you already did the work to make, to, like, make him, you know, not, you know, not like, which Yomiel himself says, like, oh, I'm not redeemed because I... You know, because I have these, uh, you know, they like establish um, his sort of tragedy and the how he got his powers and how he like slowly began to, you know, just get consumed by his desire for revenge. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, we sort of have his pathos already. And then they throw in some dead wife pathos and it's like, Mm. okay, (laughs) sort of calling attention to the to the narrative move that you're making here. But that's not all. We get two dead wives for the price of one game. Yeah, this on top of... Is is Camila's mother Detective Jowd's wife? Does she ha- yes. have a name? I forgot the name. Oh, uh, wife... Uh, Alma. Alma. Mm-hmm. Alma. Yeah, Alma okay. getting one line total in the game. Um, and really, really just sort of being like... Yomiel is like... She really her her murder orchestrated by Yomiel really kind of feels like a like a odd end of his plan to me, you know. Yeah. With it taking with so much time removed from his actual plan, um, uh, it just it it was a strange uh addition to the story. I think I think something something about coming to it a second time. I was sort of like looking more at the mechanics of the story and I think Ghost Trick has a reputation for being like a super tightly constructed story and it's still pretty engaging but I think there are a few like um frayed ends here and there when you look at it the second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's the bit where they are they're talking about the prison as being this prison that was uniquely either constructed or set aside to house all these victims of manipulation, but at the point where um at the point where Zhao committed that murder, um or at least he pretended to commit that murder, um <laughs> manipulation wasn't mentioned at all. Um I think that some of the detectives were some of the detectives like Kabanar was were exploring that on their own to try and because they, because that detective was a good friend to them, and they didn't really buy that story. But uh, yeah, I mean, people like, get transferred to different prisons. True, uh, and I guess the minister did know that, uh, did have some experience with the manipulation stuff since he learned about it from Kabanara and was also the victim of it himself. Mm-hmm. I think there is also some sort of fuzziness on like the time remove of 
you know, uh, the, like, uh, the murder of Alma and, like, um, when Jowd is condemned to, like, the death penalty, um, but there's also sort of a time lapse of, like, I guess it's not that long, but it is a sort of indeterminate amount of time between, like, Jowd being convicted and given the death penalty, and then when the execution actually, that when they actually, like, try to organize it, um, in a way that I think it, I think it is sort of tied up in, like, that one part of Yomiel's plan, just feeling not as temporally connected as the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he really tries to pull, uh, because of, like, the framework of the game, this whole thing takes place over one night, so it just, it feels a little strange to have, like, Yomiel being like, well, I'll get my revenge on these four people in one night, but Jowd will just kind of take care of first, and... That'll kind of he'll work his way through the justice system for a year, and then on on the night of my plan, then he will die. <laughs> well, to be fair though, I think there's a degree of like he was planning to sort of do it over time, bit by bit. But then the uh, the foreign uh, nationals, the the intelligence agency for a foreign country, is like, no, chop chop, we got to get this all done now because you're leaving the country. Mm-hmm. God, speaking of that. Speaking of that foreign country stuff, it's... I didn't know what to make of it all the time. Because yeah. I, I feel like some of it, like... Their stuff about their technology being super duper weird is very funny. Like, uh... The, their briefing room basically having two modes, either briefing or grapes. And, uh... Like, the fact that the person who's basically helping out this, who appears to be, like a general or some sort of leader type ends up being a robot whose head just gets knocked off at some point. And he's like, yeah, I hear a lot that our technology is kind of weird. Yeah. That that was always always kind of funny, but also the way that they basically delineate them through the blue skin was kind of odd, especially when like very early on you're treated with two different, you're treated to two different assassins back to back with the blue skin and then you see the doctor appear with the blue skin as well, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess he's probably not on the level, because all the other people with this specific skin coding turn out to be villains, and that's kind of a weird thing to say out loud. Yeah. It feels like it was an attempt to, like, like specifically make it, like, like unrealistic, right? Of being like, no, no, we're not doing a Russia thing, they're blue. Um, but... In, in this attempt to sort of distance it from reality, they made it weird in a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it would have worked for me either what I first assumed, which is that like, oh, this is just like a cartoony world where some people just like have blue skin. Mm. Um, where it would have been like, okay, that's just the world. Um, and then when they later do reveal that that doctor is like a plant for you know this also nothing has a name like the countries don't have names so it's always like this country and that foreign country which makes Mm -hmm. it like a a little overwrought to talk about um yeah but then i think it also would have worked if it was just like for whatever reason everybody in this like organization just like has blue skin um i think it would have also been cartoony but when you specifically tie it to to like nationality i think that's where it becomes like don't know about this one weird you know also listen if you wanted to like okay maybe i'm sure some other people would object to this but i feel like just say it's the cia (laughs) (laughs) 
If, if they were just Americans, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, you know, Americans yeah, no. do have this ridiculous, <laughs> even though they're very, even though they're really European in their whole, <laughs> in their whole deal. But if it was just like, yeah, these are Americans, this is an American <laughs> spy, spy thing, I would have been like, yeah, fair. He does kind of, the leader does kind of talk like a British person. He's constantly being like, hey, God, my good man, you're giving me the vapors here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, you know. That's that's. I don't know if you've ever spoken to someone from the CIA, but there's like an internal culture that's uh, might surprise you. <laughs> there, yeah. So you have the you have the main guy who is like speaks speaks sort of British. You have the second in command who is revealed to be a robot who's kind of Schwarzenegger. Um, you have those assassins who are sort of just like cartoon guys. Like what what is it? Nearsighted tang, nearsighted Jigo, and then like always one step ahead Tango. Um, they're just cartoon people, and then you just randomly have, like, the femme fatale one and her, like, very tiny, very tiny, like, sub-boyfriend just sort of <laughs> are wandering around. Um, that organization is sort of running on multiple different aesthetics. Um, I remember the first time I thought we were going to get, like, a progression of assassins like Jigo and Tango with, like, increasingly weird gimmicks, but it, it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do create that impression with the way that they start out with the two of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, although they are pretty good, uh, just the two of them. I really like. I really like Jigo's line where he's like, two things aren't looking so great right now: my eyesight and your future." And then he shoots someone. <laughs> yeah, I also enjoy how two steps ahead uh, Tango is basically. Getting to the point where, in conversations, he's getting two steps ahead of two steps ahead. So it's like, so <laughs> now like, about my promotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, he goes from like, uh, if I if I do this job, I can be the head of the division, right? Okay, so about my pay raise, and then like when he gets off the phone, he's like, all right, so my ten year plan after I become head of the department is, um, yeah. I also I do really like it's um so as part of the plot the uh the the little guy and uh so they're they're just like beauty and beast is what they call each other I think yeah I definitely um, remember the guy calling the woman beauty a lot maybe um, I'm making up beast maybe she never calls it by a name I don't know whatever okay I'm just gonna call him <laughs> funny little guy <laughs> um, there is the reveal that they kid- kidnapped Camilla. Which I feel like is done in, I, I really like sort of like the, the tonal bait and switch where it's like, blah, ha, ha, we've kidnapped this lady. And first of all, it's not the lady that they intended to kidnap, but also the moment where it's like, I've been keeping her in this suitcase. And you're like, man, how can she breathe? And he unfolds it and she's like lounging with a juice box and she's, he's like, more juice, my dear. <laughs> yeah. Talk yeah, about all time like- great animations is like that, that briefcase <laughs> popping open into a reclining lounge seat with like Camilla reading a book and drinking orange juice. oh it's really great they they go out of their way to make it as well it is threatening but they do a good job to make it not be like uncomfortably threatening Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they they've kidnapped her in the way that like saturday morning cartoon villains kind of kidnap people sometimes even though in the story it's like oh we're we're kidnapping her to get leverage on the justice minister so he'll enforce the death penalty in this country for the first time in 10 years 
Uh, but in the story, it's just sort of like it, it's comical um, enough mm-hmm. that you're still laughing. Yeah. 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 I, I love the animations in this, especially with the food, because anytime someone is eating food, they're just like when Lynn is sitting down with her chicken meal at uh, at uh, Chicken Kitchen, she just has she's it seems like she has two forks one in either hand and she's just wolfing down gigantic pieces of chicken and uh when you're visiting camilla in her apartment uh, she just is sitting on the couch uh a bowl full of donuts which i've never seen before but i Big i bowl. approve of that idea Big <laughs> bowl of donuts she goes i'm feeling like donuts tonight and pulls out like a like a party-sized bowl full of donuts, which mood? But you're yeah, like I six. feel like donuts every night, sweetie. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, operating on multiple aesthetics, how about the chicken kitchen? Like having the name of a hole-in-the-wall like takeout place, having the interior of like a fancy restaurant, and then having like the upstairs floor where it's like a literal bar. What is going on in that restaurant? <laughs> Yeah, and they and have apparent. It seems like the upstairs must be like, it's hard to tell because the game is entirely like side perspective two D. Mm-hmm. But basically, it must be that the upstairs is like one big like balcony hollow in the middle, and in the middle is this big chicken sculpture, <laughs> like <laughs> most chicken. Um, and also, it's the site of this international incident because like Beauty and the Beast are there waiting to meet Yomiel, who's going to like make off with state secrets. Yeah, like the the server for that restaurant is a plant from the police, <laughs> and she's clearly doesn't really give a shit about the job other than using it as a chance to make her mark within the division. And she's pretty delightful anytime uh, Lynn come Lynn calls her over for some water or checking on the or checking on the kitchen on the chicken, and she's very clearly spiteful of Lynn while still smiling. It's very entertaining. It is true she got a detective murdered, but you should promote that girl. (laughs) I I like the sort of layered, like there's a, there's a layered thing going on in there where like you, as you learn more about like who she is and what she's doing there, like your first impression is multiple characters being like, well, she's going to get fired real quick. Then you learn she's like a police informant and like no, and like, she, you know, presumably she can't, you know, she doesn't really care about getting fired as long as she's still here this night. Then further, you learn that she's quit and rehire and, like, come back to the chicken kitchen multiple times because the chef is just this, like, weird little dude who doesn't care if his server actually does a good job or not. <laughs> like, that's the that's the gag at the end um, where, like, she she is back at the chicken kitchen. She serves a de- a, another detective, and that detective's like, "You still work here?" And she's like, "Yeah, I came back here for like to burst in on your meeting specifically." Yeah, I wanted to get hired <laughs> literally for the course of one shift so I could spy on your conversation. <laughs> oh, and the chef, the chef is great because he's just constantly singing about kitchen. He, he he's constantly singing about chicken. His nose is shaped like a chicken. <laughs> I, yeah, Ghost Trek, I think, has, like, a very, uh, like, a design, a character design ethos that I really associate with, like, the, the Ace Attorney games, where, like, all of the, like, really turned up to, like, 11 with the minor characters, where all of their, like, appearances are, like, visual puns, uh, mm-hmm. based on, like, their one thing that they are. Like, the, you know, 
the like you said the chef having a chicken for uh for his nose um the park the the guardian of the park guy just being absolutely covered in his like anti-housing development leaflets and just like having his eyes drawn with like a permanent glitter in them (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah um Honestly, like, uh, Cabanella's whole thing with, like, his whole look is just very, like, um, you know, they basically just, like, sort of, like, they took a Mike, they took, like, a famous Michael Jackson outfit, and they were like, okay, now let's make it noir, and that's exactly what Cabanella looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel, I also feel like. I also feel like I know exactly... There's no voice acting in this game, but I feel like I know exactly what each character would sound like. So strong mm-hmm. are some of the designs. Like, I can... I have it in my head the exact tone that Cabanella keeps calling everyone baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the writing team did a great job. Like, uh, the way that he just elongates certain words when he's talking to people. <laughs> it's... It's very good at establishing a sing-song voice in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going on to the 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 puzzles, uh, how did y'all feel about the puzzles? So initially, I thought that they were an interesting challenge, and there was definitely times where I would just bang my head on something for a little bit before figuring out. But uh, mm-hmm. later in the game, when not only do they get incredibly timing-based to the point where you have very small windows of opportunity to act, but also sometimes the game doesn't want you to act and instead wants to play out a scripted sequence with the ghosts Mm. um, without making that entirely clear. Um, I feel like it kind of drops the ball near the end in a frustrating way, to the point where, for the final one, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna Kiri and I... um, Kiri was basically alongside me while I was playing through most of it. I was like, okay, let's look up a walkthrough for this last one because it seems like a real pain. Yeah, I had a similar thing where it was like, for me, the puzzles were either like, I'm totally on a roll. I'm like jumping from object to object. I'm figuring out how all the little tricks you can do with the objects work together. I solve the puzzle first thing. Boom, we're golden. We're back to the we're back to the mystery. Great little diversion. Or I'm just sort of like running into it. And I'm like, man, I wish I was. Reading a visual novel, funnily <laughs> enough. Um, I, I think it is sort of a... I feel like it's a tension of a lot of games where they they come up with a... Uh, I feel like there are a lot of games that have a, a character story narrative that I really like and gameplay that I would really like if it was there was like half as much. Um, I feel like there's a lot of games that sort of feel obligated to have gameplay the whole way through and thus you get a lot of segments that are not that fun i even feel like there's a like um there's a there's a one puzzle that like sort of like in it in it contains both some of the stuff i like the most and some of the stuff i like the least which is the puzzle where uh inspector cabanella is being held at gunpoint by yomiel mm-hmm. um because like the setup of that where, like, the first time you do a trick, just sort of experimentally, Yomiel's like, oh, okay, there's a ghost here, and just immediately shoots him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit, okay, this is, like, different, and it establishes a tension that I think is really neat. Plus, you're also working with Missile, which is, in concept, fun. But then the solution ends up being such an elaborate, like, 
kind of unintuitive thing where you have to swap a hard hat to the ground with the beanie and then the beanie with the book and then the beanie again with a bullet. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just it's just kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> and then it's possible to do that puzzle, like comp- do it to completion, but without swapping, but like, but in in such a way to sort of like, um, like uh, shoot like, I don't have a phrase other than shoot yourself in the foot, but like where your only option is to swap a hard hat with mm-hmm. a with a, the bullet instead of a beanie, and that will still kill Cabanella. And that's like funny in concept, but when I did it, I was just like, ah, damn it! And then I had to watch this like whole the whole cutscene and do the whole thing again and realize I had to swap the beanie. Um, I feel like Missile's powers are particularly bad at that. Like the, I I don't know if this was like the experience for either of you, but I feel like his restriction of like I can only swap two things that have the same shape, I felt was very. There's, I feel like the game makes a lot of dodgy arguments for things that have the same shape as a bullet. Yeah, and it doesn't help that uh, for a lot of, for the puzzles where missiles power is the linchpin of everything, um, it doesn't help that, like, there's nothing that you can time yourself. The game just expects you to know, okay, you need to let missile take over here. Mm-hmm. And he'll just do that. I mean, you can try the puzzles over and over as many times as you want. So I think there's a degree of like observation and experimentation they expect from you. But I definitely do think it's frustrating at multiple points. And like parts where they're like, oh, but like from this perspective, if you let this object rotate, suddenly it's a different shape. And it's like, yeah, but but that's just because you've arbitrarily decided this game has a this perspective. That doesn't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the one funny thing about that puzzle is uh, Cavanella being the only person to remark on how fucked up it is that, oh, I'm just going to get shot again because you fucked up? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and he later does make a joke where he's like, you save him, but he's been injured previously. And it's like a dual layered puzzle where you save two people. So in the first one, you save you save, uh, you know, the professor that Cabanella has been working with. But he Cabanella gets caught in like the debris of an explosion and gets really hurt. And then in the second puzzle, you stop Cabanella from getting killed. But there's a bit where Cabanella's like lying on the floor with like still his ribs really injured. And he's like, ooh, ooh. Maybe I should have tried to just die in the explosion, and then you could have just, you know, totally fixed me, and I, I wouldn't have to deal with, like, my cracked ribs, and Sis is like, that's really dark, dude. <laughs> I kind of get it, but that's really dark, and Kavanaugh's like, eh, my ribs hurt, what do you want from me? <laughs> I do, like, it does also make me a little less generous towards that sequence, since you have to go to such lengths to make that, to solve that puzzle, that then the solution of the puzzle is that he gets hit in the face with a beanie and Yelmiel just doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard um, to buy. I guess it's a kind of thing where I was like, yeah, I guess from his perspective, it would have taken, like, half a second you know, like mm-hmm. it's only noticeable because to us because of the interface of the game and like how we were looking for that. But mm-hmm. it is a is a little silly. He is he does have a beanie on his face as Yomiel's putting the gun away and being like, "Yeah, got him." 
One hundred percent killed that man. Anyway, bye. Yeah, I-, I do appreciate how as the puzzles go on, you start to create a Katamari-like situation of rolling up ghosts into into these past scenarios where you're getting more and more spirits coming over to hang out and uh, help you. I either help you with the puzzle or just give commentary about what's happening. <laughs> the final one where you have... Okay, so let me think about the final one. In the final puzzle, you go back in time. Then you go back in time again to a death that happened to Yomiel's death 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. then at that point, you have Sissel, Missel, Yomiel, Jowd. Um, is it just the four of them, actually? I feel like there are other characters there. I I don't remember if um No, I think it's just them. Yeah, Lynn was just... not present for that one. So you have four you have you still have four spirits and you're two time loops deep and one time loop like traveled you across ten years. <laughs> yeah. It it is kind of clever the conceit that they give for the reason why you're able to do that, because like initially when you first interact with uh, Yomiel, like at the beginning of the game, it's like, oh, he doesn't have a core. And your initial reason for that is, oh, it's me. I can't really jump into myself. But the whole thing is that uh, basically the framing device for how these ghost powers even came into being is that at some point a meteor um, that's basically... A meteor lands into Temsic Park and the term they use for the radiation that comes out of that is Temsic radiation. And because Yomiel was struck with that piece of meteor, he uh, he basically instantly died, but his body is in a constant state of regeneration. Mm-hmm. Just a constant cycle of living and death. So once the, once the nation picking him up double-crosses him and takes the piece out, his body is finally ready to jump into. But as it turns out, since he was, since he technically died at that point, 10 years ago or so, or eight years, um, that's where you eventually jump to when you're like, okay, four minutes before that happened is a gigantic stretch of time. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's also a thing where it's like, you know, there's, the final twist of this game reveals that some of the things that Sissel took to be ironclad rules of the ghost world were not actually rules, and they were things that, you know, he either assumed or was just lied to about, so mm-hmm. there is that, too. Um, yeah, the the some... final reveal that your, sort of, your tutorial and inauguration of the ghost world is a spirit named Ray, who's like, maybe you'll learn who I am one day. And it's missile from a previous time loop. It's an ancient missile. Which is like, oh yeah, I just lied to you about that stuff so you'd do the right thing. <laughs> so, coming back to that. Because I did want to talk to that. Oh, my nose really itches. I'm sorry. Um, coming back to that on a second playthrough of the game. I I remember that twist as being like, oh, the really emotional one. You know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is, the, this is the best twist in the game. Coming back to it, I was like, this is a little unnecessary. I was actually much colder on it, and I found mm. the emotional, like, the most emotional twist in the game to be the reveal that, like, Sissel was Yomiel's cat for ten years, and, like, that being, like, you know, 
one of Yomiel's like biggest regrets being like, you know, I was with you for, you know, I was with you for 10 years and I was so consumed by revenge that I didn't like value your company. And then I ended up getting you killed in my big, stupid revenge plan. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, there's the emotional part. And then Missile shows up almost literally after the conclusion of the game to be like, hello, I'm I'm old Missile. I, I, I felt that was actually one of the weaker parts of the story for me because it felt very tacked on to what I thought at that point was like a fully completed narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the reason for everything else is fairly easy to connect once you are given the answers. Like uh, the bit with... Um, Lynn making two shots when possessed, and the one where she supposedly missed didn't actually miss, and it hits Sissel, um, mm-hmm. killing them in the process. That was an interesting twist. And then at some point, it's like, okay, here's a character. I mean, here's a character we put at the very end of the game who is operating on terms that we haven't even introduced to you. You don't, you the player, don't even know that this is possible. So it never, it never came to your mind while you were reasoning everything else out. So I'm just going to talk for 10 minutes about uh, doing two different time loops and how this is my second or third loop that I'm speaking to you now through. Mm -hmm. It feels sort of like a narrative flex at that point to be like, oh, look at this other twist that we can build into the story. But I was already impressed. Like, you already put in some good twists there. I I didn't need this additional... Mm-hmm. What yeah. fifth twist? Yeah, and I can appreciate on some level <laughs> Shutakumi being like, "No, it's not enough that my dog is in- integral to the story. We're going to make him the hero of the whole goddamn thing." My, on my on dog some has level, to I can respect that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on some level, I can, I can, rec- I can. On some level, I can respect that, but on the other hand, it's like, man, you already did a great job by your dog. You didn't need to do this too. <laughs> You know, ultimately, Ghost Trick is a game about how, like, pet your pets are the greatest creatures in the world. <laughs> like, there is nothing better than a pet in Ghost Trick. Like, your house pet will will die for you, will save you, is the greatest person in the world, and deserves eternal happiness. Is the yeah, theme of Ghost Trick. It, it doesn't really get into how Sissel feels either once... Fate is changed those 10 years ago, and suddenly Sissel's the one who ends up dying, like, as a little kitten through that Temsic radiation, and and Sissel's just an eternal kitten now. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, uh, also something that felt a little, a little unnecessary. At that point, Sissel could have just been a normal cat. Well, um, I mean, to, I think, I mean... We both know what we not both. We all know why. Because what if what if they made more ghost trick and specifically uh, Shu Takumi obviously is not going to do this, but floated the idea of having a game where Phoenix Wright kept dying and Cecil kept having <laughs> to save him, which I really want. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I want the Phoenix Wright Layton crossover game sequel to that where they also cross over with ghost trick. <laughs> and you just you just oh. have an absolute mess. Uh, if that happened, we'd probably see a lot of Luke dying, and I don't think I would be able to take that. No, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't kill Layton. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be. You just do Layton. You'd be like Layton, being like, "I was shot in the back while finishing this matchstick puzzle. Quick, you have to help me finish this matchstick puzzle." 
<laughs> or they're yeah. going to kill me. <laughs> no, that's no. Uh, that would be like Sissel. Sissel realizes, oh, the way to the way to save Leighton is to finish this puzzle for him. So he starts paying attention to the guy with the gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then- and Leighton just looking up in disappointment, being like. Rats! All of my puzzles are getting solved for me lately. I'm not having any fun. Yeah, just a different intonation. <sighs> Another puzzle solved. <laughs> We're just writing fan fiction now, but I think a, I think a test, of, I think a strength to like you know just the writing of these games overall that you can just be like, yeah, here is how um, Leighton and Cecil would interact, or like you know you put these different characters together and they cross yeah. over. Um, it even does that thing in the credits where it flashes back to all the various characters having incidental bits of dialogue, <laughs> which is a Phoenix Wright staple. So you know yep. how Maya transforms a little when she channels someone? Mm-hmm. Would she turn into a cat girl if she channeled Sissel? <laughs> uh, oh man, I I forgot that Phoenix. I forgot that Ace Attorney also has its own rules for how ghosts work. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. <laughs> I mean, you could get some good jokes out of that. You could get, like, I don't know, Yomiel possesses someone and Maya being like, oh, and Maya being like, oh, I thought I thought they would grow the hair. I thought their hair would all stand up like that. Uh, do, you, do you think the reason why they're so unclear about the countries involved in this is because they got a lot of flack for the way that Phoenix Wright is like, oh, everything's taking place in Los Angeles, despite all of the backgrounds very clearly supposed to be within a part of Japan. Well, well that's only a localization thing, so I don't think yeah. so. I bet that I didn't feel make like it that was more Shikumi. that was more like Capcom localization than the original creators. Yeah, um, which gets pretty ridiculous. Uh, there's there's a there's a part in. Um, I think it's Dual Destinies. There's a part in one of them where they, like, go to a rural Japanese village, which in the localization is just like, ah, yes, the the thriving, like, uh, Japanese expat community in the mountains of Los Angeles. Yep. Eat your burgers, Apollo. Yeah, that's another... That's, that's, a, that's an awkward zombie comic I do remember. <laughs> Yeah, overall, I really liked this game, and it's... I guess also I need to mention, there's not a whole lot of music in this game. Like, there's a few themes that get repeated constantly, one of which is the ghost trick theme, but, uh, like, the composer's really putting the DS soundtrack through its paces there, because it sounds excellent every time it comes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, music is also very good. The, um, like, the countdown to death music just <laughs> makes me tense up is that the one where it goes like i can't literally yeah that one yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good music in this one yeah 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 i think it i think it is another game that proves proves my overarching theory that games should have less gameplay in them for everybody's sake but it, it can't ruin a thing that is still very charming and very fun um i did i did cry while playing it um i'm just a sucker for when your pets are the most important thing ever and also that final scene which is just all the characters like together having a birthday party i guess it's not a birthday party lynn keeps objecting that it's not a birthday party it is a congratulations on becoming a cop party that everyone is treating like a birthday party (laughs) 
the only problem with that scene is that um no never mind because Cabanella and Missile come in together, I thought that, like, in the final timeline, Missile is Cabanella's dog, but uh, I, it's actually it's actually even better where it's implied that Missile broke out of Lynn's apartment to come to Jowd's house to be in the, to yeah. be at the party and, like, met Cabanella on the way. Um, <laughs> also in all-time animation is Cabanella and Missile doing a choreographed, like, bust through the door and begin spinning. <laughs> <laughs> until they like both strike a pose in the party that's one of the best animations in the game it's pretty great yeah they had to practice that you can't just do that <laughs> they had to practice yeah they, they practice on the way there <laughs> like oh I, I guess if you're gonna tag along if you're gonna tag along with me you need some style too missile well also missile has a lot of subconscious uh experience from past timelines of matching other people's shapes so i bet he's really good at that Oh, true. God, uh, there's... What, a, what a good game. Pretty good, pretty <laughs> yeah. good game. Pretty good game. Yeah, it's it's a shame that the only other port of it happened on iOS, and that port has been through various versions of delisting and relisting, and oh no, since Apple updated the latest iOS, um, it no longer works. Mm -hmm. um, gaming on Apple... Oh, gaming on phones in general, I'd say, is... Like there's some there's some great ports of great games there, but the the very nature of these app stores where the applications just suddenly aren't supported anymore because the way that the the updates work really sucks. And that's why we're here to support Capcom and their lawsuit. Hashtag free ghost trick. Uh, you should play in the uh, the free ghost trick tournament this weekend. Uh Okay, but I but I would get suckered into a free ghost trick campaign. <laughs> I would be like, yes, ghost trick is for the people. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I mean, ghost trick is for the animals. That's true. It's, it's even for more dogs. for the animals. <laughs> uh, and for the cats. Yeah. yeah. But only for the cats who don't know that they're cats. Like my cat who drinks out of the toilet and likes belly rubs. <laughs> he's he's not clear on the he's not clear on the whole being a cat thing. Would absolutely mistake themselves for you if you died. Um if you both died at the same time, excuse me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so uh any other closing thoughts other than well, mine are basically, this was a really great game, and I'm glad I finally had an opportunity to finish it after. Like, I initially picked it up on iOS, like, years ago, and I gave up around Chapter 4 just because it was very difficult for me at that time. But uh, I'm glad I came back to it, even though it trips in some places. It's ultimately a very excellent experience, and there's nothing that looks quite like it either. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a big plus. Yeah, I would say this is, like, one of the top DS games to me. Like, mm -hmm. if you ha if you have a DS, if you're interested in DS games, like, you, sh you should play Ghost Trick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Closing thought, Shu Takumi, uh, make a new game. It's, it's been three years. Please make a new game. <laughs> I I'm, I'm sure he is. Like, games take a long time to make. <laughs> it's not even an announcement. Just make a new game. 
Shutakumi, please make specifically the Phoenix Wright Ghost Trick Professor Layton crossover oh, cluster man. that we need. The people need it. Have uh, yeah. You can go ahead and throw in Herlock Sholmes while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, put Herlock Sholmes <laughs> in there. Put uh, Dr. Frankenstein in there. Um, God, who else? Uh, put in Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight can come. <laughs> sure, of course. <laughs> Uh, Shuffle Knight is just an obligatory guest in most games, it seems uh, like. Curly yeah. Brace. Uh, put me in there. Hell, I'm not doing anything. I mean, <laughs> if you just want to get murdered, then, you know. I'll be, in the, I'll be in the court part. Okay, okay. I'll be on trial for murder. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, because that always works out. It'll, that'll be the one time where, like, uh, you, like, uh, Sissel, like, connects with you, and you're like, yeah, I did it. What? <laughs> that actually, the one time where the defendant did commit the murder is one of my favorite Phoenix Wright cases. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at some point, I would really love to figure out how to, like, there's localization present, like, fan translations of, uh, the period piece Phoenix writes he's done, and I'd love to get my hands on that at some point. Yeah, God. Yeah, those are his most recent games. I've been told there's some some gross stuff in them. Allusions to queerphobic stuff is what I've been told. Yeah, there was some of that in Phoenix Wright, too. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, Phoenix Wright, too. Mm. So, I can handle it. There's some of that in this game, honestly. Just a little bit, but, like, Bailey... There's some there's some things with Bailey, the prison guard. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless anything, unless anyone has anything else, probably time to move over to our questions. Yeah. All right. So we got one question. We got an email from uh, Kyrie. This game made me cry right. with the ending both times I have experienced it. Uh, Shutakumi games always do this to me as their endings of their games always have this powerful emotional resonance. What parts of this game resonated with you? What kind of lessons can other storytellers learn from this game? P.S. Missile is top Pomeranian. (laughs) Um, That's not true. Missile's not a top anything. Anyway. (laughs) 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 Missile just excitedly saying, I don't know what that means. I mean, inappropriate joke, but he does. There is a line where um, Lynn is like, uh, she's mad at something, and Sissel's like, "Don't yell at me!" And Missile's like, "You can yell at me if you want." <laughs> and then I think Lynn's line, Lynn's line after that is like, "That would literally break my heart. I could never yell at you, Missile." And he's just like, "Thank you, Miss Lynn. Thank you so much." <laughs> um, like. For me, overall, like, um, I think this is an excellent example of how you construct an interesting mystery. Like, um, th- right off the bat, they give you a big question in terms of, okay, I'm dead, and how did I die? And from there, they they avoid stringing you along by introducing a bunch of other small mysteries, like peppering them in here and there. And they do an excellent job with the timing of the reveals, like... As I mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, the moment where you Inspector, Inspector Jowd turns over the painting he's working on and it's suddenly a painting of you and it's like, what is happening here? And 
it just keeps peppering those moments in here and there without feeling like it's going too overboard until it all culminates near the end. Mm-hmm. And it finally gives you the answer, like at the very end of who you are, which is nice. Uh, I think, well, one thing you can learn that I think is a, you know, from a misstep of the game is I think there is a point where you can have like, you can have a, a few too many twists. Um, so I, I think there is sort of a learning from its example of like, um, there is a point where you can step back and be like, great, I finished the mystery. And even if you could add another layer on it, it's probably fine as it is. Hey, Olivia. Mm-hmm. How's Zoom and Echo going? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not reading it right now. <laughs> I fell off. Okay. Uh, no, I took a, I took a break. Um, because I wasn't because again, well, I mean, I think I've said as much on this podcast. Like, I'm finding it a little um, too. I'm. I think that is a story that could use a stricter editor mm. Mm. and uh i have more things that i want to do with my time right now so sure valid um, you, you could get me you can never get me I'll turn <laughs> into a ghost and zoom away from this conversation uh, get back here get out of that phone line we need to talk uh yeah uh honestly this is like i don't know how developers are going to make use of this but it made me remember that i miss having a pet yeah, <laughs> I used to have a dog, and she was really sweet, and I miss her. And I was like, "Oh, I miss having a put, pet. Pets are great." Put more funny animals in your games, and like, do yeah, do it, like honestly, I feel like as long as you actually try, it's not hard to do pets well. You just have to you have to be sincere. There has to be a pure intention in your heart when you put the pet in the game. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that and also it's it feels like it's cutting corners to just be like, yes, you can pet the pet. You can pet the animal like we're we're at a point where that's enough of a a, a, that's basically a marketing point at this level. So do more with the pet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to earnestly want to proselytize about how cool your dog is to the entire world. That's the level (laughs) you have to be on. I think actually another thing to add, I think Ghost Trick is very good at like mixing both the comedy and like the earnestness, like I mentioned with Missile. Like mm-hmm. he he has a lot of jokes and he's quite funny, but ultimately he's really devoted to his people and he wants to like, you know, uh protect them. And that's why Missile is good. If he was just like a funny funny comic relief dog, I would be less I would be like a little colder on him than I am where he's where where I am currently now, which is, I think about him sometimes, and I cry, and I go, he was a little warrior. He just wanted, yeah. he just wanted to protect women. <laughs> and it's it's also emotionally affecting, too, when Sissel's like, okay, Missile, you can get back in your body now. And uh, Missile's like, I th- I think I'm more useful here, that I can do my job to protect... Um, I, c- I can do my job to protect uh, Lynn and... Uh, I-, I could do my job to protect my owners better if I stay as a ghost like this. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I really want you to be back as a dog, though, so you can be happy as a dog. It is so funny when he dies the second time and you're like, wait, how did you die? And you just see like him running at a motorcycle, drives by, and it pans with the motorcycle and then pans back and he's just dead on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Like, initially, when it flashed back to that, I thought it was because he just hit his head on the apartment door so many times yeah. that, that it eventually got him. Uh, no, the beast does run him over uh, while he when he tries to uh, kidnap uh, Camila, who he thinks is the Justice Minister's daughter. Uh, those two characters die, by the way. Canonically, at the end of the thing, they blow themselves up in that after credit skit. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> he uses he uses two hundred he uses twenty kilograms of dynamite when when the when their plans called for twenty grams, so they're dead. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, you know. So is well. I guess I guess you reverted their deaths. I guess I guess <laughs> nearsighted Django and stuff are all fine now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they were ever dead. I think they just sort of got like cartoon flattened. Oh no! Listen, they put a they put a cartoon spin on it to make it like more palatable. But they just dropped a wrecking ball on that man. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i guess the guardian of the park died from having a smaller object dropped on him so and also without having it crush him and then roll and crush him several more times before falling and landing <laughs> on him again uh, what a good game <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i did enjoy the bits with the rats too like uh well it, it kind of stinks when you're electrocuting that one rat over and over but uh the bit uh, when you're trying to save the professor and the way that you get uh, a certain object to topple over is you just figure out a way to create a ladder for them in the rats. Just have a little rat party in this trash can until it tips over. <laughs> I did feel really bad about sort of torturing the rat in the in the apartment, in the writer's apartment. That poor rat. Yeah, like you set you set his tail on you fire. You electrocute him and then knock him onto a clock, set his tail on fire, and use him to light a candle. It's rough. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> that one rat that was somehow in the detonation mechanism of the torpedo at the end is dead as hell, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rat is extremely dead uh but also whenever the rats get hit or something they make squeaky toy noises so who knows <laughs> who can say if it's good or bad <laughs> um. but yeah if you have any questions for us in the future you can send them over to podcast at abnormalmapping.com and like when we do our next episode, there's like there's not like any moratorium on you sending ghost for questions. We can always answer them or any other mm -hmm. or questions about any other games we've covered or even haven't covered yeah, well, on the podcast as long as they're as long as they're if they, they fit with what we're listen, talking about. I'd say people know if if well, you, you send us an email and it doesn't get read, you know why. Uh, you can just send us you can send us questions about. Uh, uh, games that we covered months ago, and we'll just use our powers to travel back to four minutes before we finished recording that episode. And Wait, are you question. saying that every time we record a podcast, we kill it? Is this yes. murder? <laughs> uh, yeah, but like cool murder. We're killing it, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Olivia, did you want to introduce the next game we're covering? Yeah, um, so for our next game, uh, we are going to play uh, Signs of the Sojourner, which is a game about um, 
it's sort of a card game about conversations uh, where you are playing the uh, child of a uh, sort of like a traveling merchant uh, taking over your mom's shop after her death. And you are traveling around the world in this caravan, uh, like, um, you know, using like card game mechanics to have conversations with people and like try to trade for items to keep your store afloat. Um, so that, that's the game. Yeah, uh, I'm look. I'm looking forward to playing it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, I kept Pe- meaning to find time for it, and now I have a, a really good reason to. So that that's that's what the podcast is for. <laughs> Indeed, like I, I know that we don't cover visual novels all the time, even though it's a quote unquote visual novel podcast. But I do think it's interesting to like find games that uh, wouldn't fit elsewhere, like in. Other bits of coverage and give them a home here. Black society. <laughs> I made that. I made that joke at the beginning of the episode. I actually think this one is very close to a visual novel. Well, I feel. Yeah. I feel like I would not even be batting an eye if the characters were just anime characters. I'd just be like, yeah, it's a visual novel, and there's some like card game mechanics, I guess. Sure, and I mean, you know, like genres are only interesting as far as they direct conversation. Once you become like a, well, I want to cover this, but it's not technically the right genre, then, you know, we've lost our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, For sure. It's all fake. Everything's extremely fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, one of the games I have on my list that I'd like to cover at some point, once it's finished, Long Gone Days, is technically a JRPG-like game, but... Uh, the way that it's handled reminds me a lot more of a story-based visual novel. So it'll be interesting to see that when it eventually comes out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, where can people find you, Olivia? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Great Grieve, uh, which on Twitter, where you can, and you can also find my other podcast, uh, We Are the Champions at Runeterra Tips, where we are randomly go- we are going through the lore of one random League of Legends character a week, and uh, slowly becoming more and more uh, angry at Riot Games. One day we will rise up and seize the ill-gotten fruits of their labor. <laughs> uh, you're also becoming uh, Jokerfied. I believe. Yeah, we've we've been Jokerfied. Um, we've we've been Jokerfied now. Uh, it didn't change the podcast much. It's actually basically the same podcast. It was kind of a Jokerfied podcast already. That's true. That's true. Still in denial about uh, the Poppy Snowfawn pigtails. Ugh, don't even bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that. You keep that in the We Are the Champions episode where it belongs. Those are not deer butts. They're meat. She's not got meat, meat on her head. Those are pigtails. It's not meat. Jen, please get us out of here. I can't do this again. <laughs> okay, six. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me and my opinions about pigtails <laughs> on Twitter at six detmar s a x d e t t m a r. I'm also on scanlandme.com and patreon.com slash scanlandmedia, and uh, I am the secret and the manipulator behind the podcasting. Yeah, Six handles all the editing for us, which I'm very thankful for because I, I'm not very good at that kind of thing, or at least I don't have much experience. I was just trying to be honest. But, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> she she just yeah, takes Six does it so earnestly. 
<laughs> That's why you need me on the podcast. You need one Jokerfied host, one Ernest host, and one uh, secret manipulator. Our dynamic is like Jen is Ernest, you're Ernest to Jen, I'm a bully, and then you bully me. <laughs> exactly. Like? It's it's basically the it's basically the Fire Emblem weapon triangle, but for podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can find me at JBU3 on Twitter. Um, most of my stuff is also where Six pointed out, uh, scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. And uh, yeah, that about does it for us. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Peace. <laughs>